And speaking of Jake the Snake Roberts, he's with our man, Michael St. John. Thank you, gentlemen. Back here I have a man of legendary proportion, the man, Jake the Snake Roberts. He is a man that you all recognize. He's a legend. Come on, Jake. Get on in here. The folks want to hear from you. You won't say this. You know, you get a casino, and everybody says, well, gosh, a casino, you should gamble. Let me tell you something, Hamble. You don't want to play cards with me because I'll cheat. Okay? I cheat. You want to play 21? I got 22. You want to play blackjack? I got two of those, too. You want to play aces and eights? Maybe I got too many of those, too. Bottom line is this. You do not gamble with me. The only thing you should gamble is this. Listen to me. When you walk in a casino and you want to gamble, the main thing is you should realize this. To gamble, you must accept losing. I don't accept losing. And neither does Damien. Damien, my friend. My friend Damien is right here. Damien? Yeah, he just stuck his now head out of him. pile of snake, huh? Oh. You don't want to see us, do you? Well, Let me I know. show you something. Yeah, that's Let okay, me show you No, I think what, Anvil? Go ahead, Anvil. Roll the dice. Mr. Cameraman, get your ass back up here. Hello? I'm talking to you. Get the camera back up here. That is not what you need to worry about, Anvil. The bottom line is this. When the DDT comes, then the snake comes out. Worry about the DDT. 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 Think about it. A man of his word, Jake the Snake Roberts. Back to ringside. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. Knights, 
What is going on there? The Hamenites, the Big Vetoites, the PWCites, all the ites, the lefts, the right, the dens, the repubs, all the ites, the reflectionites, uh, the Israelites, the Ukrainites, the Russianites. There are a lot of ites out there. But you know what? I cannot name the millions, and I mean millions of ites out there. But anyway, neither here nor there. Welcome, oh welcome to the PWR podcast here at the Hameen Media Group at Podbeam.com. Still on a band from the PWS Network, but that's neither here nor there. I already said my rant on the last episode, but you know what? The pussification, the wussification is still going strong there, but we will not be deterred. The PWR will never be deterred. We are still going to go strong the way we always will. To the top, to the top, to the top. To the moon, just like Cameron Grimes says, but again, neither here nor there. And this is an episodic episode of the PWR podcast here at the Hameen Media Group at Powerbeam.com. But before I do that, I must introduce myself because I am vain like that reflection. You know this. The Magnificent Seven knows how vain I am. The Elite Eight knows how vain I am. Donna Destruction knows how vain I am. Greenpeace knows how vain I am. Phyllis Scott Wood knows how vain I am. But neither here nor there. I am the most magnanimous one. I am the most charismatic one. I am the most stupendous one. But most importantly, I am the most glorious one. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, PWC punditry. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabel Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I got a man. The executive producer extraordinaire. Got him from the production area. And got him in front of all the Reflectionites. It's been so many years since he's done a PWR episode. He was the original host of the PWR podcast, but he bequeathed it to the professor because he entrusted the professor to take this money train that is the PWR podcast and take it to the next level. And I am always grateful for that. He is the reporter of the people, the man with the plan, the man that's here to stay to talk some lucha libre, the host of the Next Level Wrestling Podcast on the Hami Media Group, the co-host of the A Show with April Hunter, on the Hami Media Group at Bobby.com and Channel Attitude Cop. ChannelAttitude.com. Almost got a tongue twisted there, but I caught myself. Your friend of mine, the executive producer of the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. The original alumnus of the PWS Brothers. Big Ray Hernandez. Welcome to the PWR Podcast. Welcome to your baby. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, shuggy duggy quack quack. Doing fucking fantastic, man. I really wanted to do this show with Tommy Wonder, but you know where Tommy is. He is in the mean streets of wherever the hell he lives in, looking for the uh, glory holes in the, in the walls of, uh, you know, the back the backyards of the stiffest oh, neighborhoods in the world. Very stiff out there in the mean streets of the 8 Mile. But you know what? Truth be told, reflectionized TW, Where is he? you know, was spending all night to be front row at a Taylor Swift concert at, you know, at Grand Rapids, Michigan. He had to do that. He had to do it for his Wonderlings. He had to watch Tiffany. He had to watch Debbie Gibson. He had to watch Taylor Swift. So I don't know who is performing at this particular juncture, but he is he is doing it for the Wonderlings. That's all I know. But Wait, neither here nor there. That's a shoot? That's part of a shoot. Yes, he is going for a concert. I just don't know who it is. But I know it's some female. It could be a Mickey Mouse, one of those former Mickey Mouse whores. Who knows that is, that is singing right now. 
Tommy's at Tommy's at the forty year old overweight Britney Spears concert. That's what he's doing right now. Well, you know what? Creepy toe. I, I do it with Britney. I don't care. You know, she's got the donkey dog. Yeah, she is. She's kind of thick. She's kind of thick. You know, you, you know. And just so you know, guys, real quick, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm gonna be a little sniffly and sneezy and stuffy ached. But I'm fine. I'm happy to be here, Professor. I gotta tell you real quick, man. It is an absolute fucking honor to be on this show. This is my baby. Mm-hmm. This is my. We started this shit way back at OneWrestling.com when we were doing the Big Slam Nation gimmick with uh, with Bill Skyler. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yes. That's how far this shit. How long? How long ago is that? Uh, like six years, maybe seven. I think seven years. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Almost a decade we've been doing this shit. But anyway, I'm really fucking happy to be here. You guys. I said this. I say this to you guys off the air all the time, and I might have said this on the air a couple of times. But I literally, this is my favorite podcast, not just because it's my baby, but because of the um, the chemistry between you and Tommy. It's almost like you guys are married. Um, it's awesome. You guys are hilarious. You guys feed off each other well, and it's great because you have a historian like yourself, and you have a guy that actually did it in the ring for so many fucking years, and still does it occasionally. So, dude, it's fucking cool to listen to you guys. Your rapport, your back and forth. And I'm going to try to do my best to carry uh, on, you know, I'll be counting knee pads. Mm-hmm. I'll be, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a death count. So as, mm-hmm. as we, you know, we'll see how many people died and uh, we'll make fun of uh, Tommy Wonder. So, of course, that, that's number one. We have to make fun of TW throughout this whole show as best number, as we can, but neither here nor there. Of course, yeah. it has to be. It's a, it's a, it's a misnomer. Even TW knows this, but neither here nor there. But. Truth be told, you know, or maybe even TW, this this might not be a river, this might be kayfabe, I don't know. TW might have conspicuously, I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory, might have like bowed out of this particular episode because you picked this. You know, TW doesn't like some of the picks that I have. Mm. He's told me, is this a rib professor that I picked a certain episodic episode? Is this a rib professor that you picked this spotlight? Is this a rib professor that you picked this well this? Is this a, of course, the movies is always a rib if I pick a bad movie. So, you know, I have to ask you this, Ray. Is uh-huh. this a rib to the professor that you picked this episodic episode for us to, this week? You know, it's not a rib because looking back at this pay-per-view and so... I was on YouTube and this shit popped up, like it literally just popped up in my uh, in my timeline. I'm like, I forgot about this shit. So I went back to the Wikipedia's, as you would say, and I said to myself, let me check. Let me. I looked at the lineup, right, and I looked at how old the guys were, and I looked at the time. It was 1999, October 10th. I'm like, shit. The lineup actually seems pretty decent. Everybody in this lineup is a worker. And then we're gonna we'll talk about obviously the announced crew because one of the guys Gordon Soley wasn't able to show up uh, for the actual show they were promoting him and stuff like that. So hold up, Ray. Oh, give me shit. one second. Yeah, I'm doing what Tommy does all the time. I'm yeah. so sorry. I have to at least let the reflectionize the magnificent seven, the elite eight, the naughty nine, the terrific ten know what we do. And this is episodic episode number one six six. We are doing what is deemed. This has been deemed on Wikipedia. This has been deemed by the IWC YWC as the quote-unquote worst pay-per-view in professional wrestling history heroes of wrestling from october of 1999 go ahead ray you know finish your spiel right there i just want to let the people know what this is no dude so i, I looked at it you know it, what was it it came for us from the casino magic hotel and uh mm-hmm. was it in st louis uh, mississippi yeah and i was like all right let me, let me just look at this line so i looked at the entire lineup of the show and like i was saying i said everybody here now Hear me out. It's a difference, and Tommy knows this, and you know this too. It's a difference between wrestlers 
and workers and everybody on this fucking gimmick is a worker. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to have some fun talking about the announced team because I think, I think old dirty Dutch Mantel fucking threw that, uh, the, what is this gimmick Jones under the bus a bunch of times. We get captain law. I mean, it's, it's fucking insane. And very, you, very insane. You're going to be surprised though, because as I rewatched this pay-per-view, I said to myself, it ain't half bad, except for certain things. So I guess we can get into that in a bit. But I'm gonna follow your lead, brother. Well, we'll, we'll get into that. But Yo, you are, know, are, are, are you recording from a pinhole camera, like when I was a PI? Well, you know what, the professor does have a glory hole. So, okay, that's, know, that I just want to do the glory hole special for the reflectionites out there for all the ladies that slide into the DMs. No, TW, it's not the dudes. It's the, yeah, be careful. Yes, be careful. Tommy could be slipping through there in a way that you don't want to. Like no, I I have the I have like a, an alarm system to make sure okay. that it's you know if the man try to slip in there, nah, they'll the get choppy, an electric choppy, shock. Choppy choppy pee pee. That too. I need to you know okay. I need to bolster up my security, but neither right. here nor there. But yes. anyway, this is Heroes of Wrestling Reflection Nights from October of 1999. And right before we even get into the card, the you know the untapped potential card, as you will, probably will say, yep. you know, the landscape of the business. You know, it's apropos WCW Monday Nitro is doing its thing. Monday Night Raw is doing its thing. We know that both Raw and Nitro on any given Monday in 1999 was beating a very subpar Monday Night Football game. So it would behoove this promoter named Bill Stone to take advantage of this money train of wrestling that is going on. The Monday Night Wars was a money train for USA Network, was a money train for TNT to a degree, you know, we know we we don't have to go into the logistics of WCW's financial troubles, but from the optics of the fans, it was it being a wrestling fan, we were loud, we were proud, we had our NWO shirts, we had our DX shirts, Austin shirts. So what say you? Because you have to at least give kudos to Bill Stone, who was the, this was his brainchild to try to bring. Maybe I guess you could say this. This was the PWR pay per view. You could say he was trying to bring back a certain nostalgic factor because, again, for you know, let, let's say the uh, the conservative uh, people that did not like the over the top antics of WWE with the Jerry Springer type uh, atmosphere. It, they didn't like you know the curse words. They didn't like the suckets. The you know the ass words. Saying all the dirty words out there. You had a good viable alternative with this nostalgic presentation. Let's say you Ray. All right. So like you said, landscape, I mean, WWE and WCW were really hot. Um, WWE was super white hot. WCW was starting, you know, it had started that steady decline towards mm-hmm. 2001. This gave the ability. Th- now this, when I looked at this pay-per-view, you hear me out here. I was like, shit, is this the, uh, the, the birth of TNA? Because like that's what TNA was. If you really think about it, it was yeah. it was a land of misfit toys. It was a place where if you couldn't get a job at WCW, if you couldn't get a job at WWF, you can get on TV. You can do some pay per views and stuff like that, and you can work and you can earn a living, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Working for TNA. Mm-hmm. So this gave the ability for a lot of these workers, a lot of these older wrestlers that probably didn't have i don't i don't remember if in 1999 and correct me if i'm wrong that they have a lot of those wrestling old school wrestling conventions and signings and stuff like that as much as they do now like WrestleCon and all that stuff so i'm wondering I, if i think this was in its infant stages 
Right. To answer your question. So it wasn't as, you know, really the operations of a WrestleCon. I don't I want to use WrestleCon as an example. It was in its instant stages trying to take advantage, you know, trying to rub off on what's going on with Monday, the Monday Night Wars. Of course, ECW was happening in 1999, too. So, you know, for, for these particular people in this, uh, let's say in this show. Right. You know where they were working. They were working in the armories. They were working in the high schools. If they weren't getting booked, Ray, you know, on the major three in North mm -hmm. America, they were mm -hmm. doing this. So this right. was a great opportunity for them. So I'm giving you, you know, you're right on that aspect. I'm also wondering if if this event was supposed to be like the beginning, like was this the double of no, double or nothing of this promotion or whatever the hell it was? Not double. What was the first AEW pay per view? Double or nothing. It was double or nothing. Yeah. So is that what this was? Like I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is this could be the birth. Like this could be like the prelude to the double or nothing TNAs. I, I think we're underestimating the importance of this pay per view because I don't really recall. I know mean, you had your indie shows that had a couple of guys that that mm -hmm. were known, or you know, one or two guys, or a main eventer that was known. That was the guy that's going to draw the money of the girl. But here. It was all everybody pretty much in this, except for like one or two guys, actually one guy, I forgot his name, Spanish kid. We'll talk about him later. Mm -hmm. Um, that everybody was a main eventer somewhere. Everybody was a champion somewhere. Everybody was over somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the whole car was full. Now I really wanted to talk and don't, don't, let's not forget about talking about, um, Mr. Randy Rosenblum. Oh, I wasn't going to forget that. Okay. All right. That, I was I, not going to forget that. Uh, that's amazing. For the logistic purposes, Reflectionites, before we even talk about certain matches, because again, there is a, it is a who's who of nostalgia right here because they were, you know, mid-card, upper mid-card type of wrestlers. There's no doubt about that. But we have to talk about the commentary duo of Randy Rosenblum and the Dirty Dutch Mantel. And Ray, we have mm. to at least, you know, we have to at least with the logistics Randy Rosenblum was actually a substitute announcer. It wasn't right. supposed to be Randy Rosenblum. It was supposed to be Gordon Soley, but he was falling ill to his, you know, I think it was cancer or whatever. It, and the, it was the last years of Gordon Soley's life. So he couldn't even make the trip to uh, Bay uh, St. Louis, Mississippi for no. this. He couldn't do that. So they got a substitute named Randy Rosenblum. So, Ray, let's talk about Randy Rosenblum because, mm. you know, he did not know a wrist lock from a wrist watch. Mm -mm. He did not know what, what the hell was going on in the ring. And my question, to, or just, you know, your conspiracy theory, because Bill Stone got a lot of the nostalgic people. I right. can think off the top of my head, at least nostalgic commentators that he could have called. If right. you got Dirty Judge Mantel, you could have got Lance Russell. Anybody. You could have got like the the dude Christopher Cruz. You could have got maybe uh, what you might call it, the people from World Class. I forgot his name off the top of my head. What about the Golden Voice of AWA? Oh uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, the Golden Voice. The, the, the Rod voice Trungar. Of, yeah, the voice of Tony the Tiger. They're great. Yeah, Rod Trungar. You could have got that. So what say you, Ray, about the commentary stylings of Randy Rosenblum? We already know he sucked, but wow. you know. Did he did he bring down the pay-per-view of this untapped potential that you saw on the pay-per-view? No, and I'll tell you why. It was fucking great. And I'll tell you why it was great to me. Because you got this old fucking curmudgeon in Dirty Dutch Mantel who is a fucking worker. That guy is a goddamn worker. He's still working right now. 
he's a podcaster and he has his own show and shit. The guy is fuck. He is an absolute worker. So you got this old school wrestling curmudgeon who's probably sick and tired of the BS that's happening, you know, with the WWF, with the WCW and all that stuff. He, you know, he's not really working except for probably the Indies and stuff. He's working with this dude that to everything was a fucking slam. What I'm saying is that if, he, if a guy did a suplex, it was a slam. If a guy jumped off the top rope onto the guy, it was a slam. And and Dirty Dutch Mantel, it was oh, funny. And Don't I, forget, uh, a drop kick was just a leg kick. It was a leg kick. Yes. Bro, there was this. So I noticed something, and, and maybe I'm being too meticulous, and you guys should really go back. It's on YouTube. Like, you can find it easy. It's up there, like, for free, um, this pay-per-view. The first segment of uh, this pay-per-view, Dutch Mantel seemed like he wasn't having this shit. Like, he didn't want to work with this guy at all. Mm -hmm. And he was burying him the whole time, right? Cut yeah. away to the next segment. And even though Dutch Mantel still kind of fucked with him, you could tell that there was a difference. Maybe, like, the promoter was like, listen, be easy on this guy. He's doing us a favor. You know, he came in. And this guy was, he was a sports anchor from, like, Southern California. He was, like, a last-minute, you know, guy mm -hmm. they called in. Right. But it's, but it's true, Professor. Like, how come? You couldn't have called in anybody like, like any, how many freaking rest guys that were out of, um, who, who, if you had the opportunity to pick one guy to do the play-by-play -play instead of freaking, because Dutch Mantel is, he was supposed to be, it was weird. It's like they had two color commentators because mm -hmm. Rosenblum didn't know what the hell he was doing. Dutch Mantel was supposed to be color and he's doing, mo he's calling most of the moves or correcting this right. dude because he was the shit. Probably Rosenblum was maybe supposed to be Mike Tanay. You know what I mean? The ultra, ultra analyst to be more sports centric. Mike Tanay. <laughs> they could have called well, him. Well, he was under contract with WCW no. at the time, so That's he couldn't true. do That's that. True. So the only thing that makes sense would be Lance Russell or anybody in the USWA. I forget the other guy's name. Dave Brown. You could have had Dave Brown and Dirty Dutch Mantel. They have chemistry. Lance Russell and uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel. They have chemistry together and they know each other. They can feed off of each other, reflectionize. So, you know, Randy Rosenblum, God bless his soul. I'm, I'm not saying he's dead. TW will tell, will correct us if he is, but, you know. Well, I'm going to find out if he's dead or not. Okay, thank you very much, Ray. Mm -hmm. The gatekeeper will be Ray for this particular epi episodic oh. episode of the PWR podcast. But I'll say this, Reflectionize, as Ray alluded to. This is untapped potential because, you know, it is a who's who. But, Ray, we have to be honest here. You know, these were main eventers of the 80s. And I'm, I'm going to be nice. It was the mid 80s, the early 80s. We're getting to 1999 and these guys are pushing 50. Some of these guys are pushing 50. Some of these guys, you know, you remember the, the WCW Slambury mat, uh, pay-per-views where you had one of those nostalgic matches? Oh, yes, sure. on paper is good. But reality sets in. This is not a video game. This is not a WWE video game. This is not AEW fight forever, Ray. Mm -hmm. So before we even say anything, because I count in my, on my hand, and I'm being honest, mm -hmm. three matches that were decent, two for athleticism and one for storytelling. That's all I will say. And I, 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 okay. we'll talk about it a little bit later. But what's say sure. Because, again, reality sets in for certain people. I mean, we can name some names that shouldn't have been wrestling. Right. I mean, Greg the Hammer Valentine, you know, you know, you know, in WCW, on WCW Saturday nights, he could give you four good minutes. But sure. this is a pay-per-view where you need him to, you know, carry the card. Right. George the Animal Steel, 
he hasn't been he wasn't relevant in the 90s we have to be honest with ourselves uh we could talk about uh let's say well we, we will talk about jake the snake roberts mm. you know in full detail so let's say mm. about certain wrestlers that were already past their prime trying to hang on to whatever is left is oh, it well, let me ask you this as a fan as a wrestling aficionado and as a fan itself uh-huh. i when you see these wrestlers you know tw always says this if you don't know how to you know hold on to your money you understand why they're doing this mm-hmm. so is it are you feeling sad for them is, is are you laughing at them what say you ray am i feeling sad for them um i'm not gonna feel sad for them necessarily because the truth is that these guys were getting paid they, mm-hmm. they had a job so i was happy to see that these guys were working but but if, if you run down like some of the teams that like let's say right now the Samoan swat team those guys look like they could still work mm-hmm. um marty janetti <laughs> came in with a fucking pair of jeans that he cut up into fucking shorts that was kind of pathetic in my humble opinion i, I think he partied the night before at the casinos oh. And oh. then forgot and he lost all his money at the crap stables and had to put on some somebody's pants. That's Brother, how I'll say that. He probably he probably lost everything, including his gear. Um, mm-hmm. Tommy Rogers. We had Greg the Hammer Valentine, who was older, but he could still kind of put together. I mean, this match went less than seven minutes, but it mm-hmm. still went. And the fact is that George Steele wrestled the same type of match for like 20 years straight. He didn't do much. He bit, he grabbed you, he fucking, you know, did the hey you. He did the whole crazy shit where he's following you around the ring. <clears throat> that was a George Steele match. So that kind of worked. Then you mm-hmm. got the match. You got two cold Scorpio, who again still look like he can go. Um a little well, I don't pr- I don't th- th- that that match is actually one of the matches. One of my I, favorite matches. I get, it was one of the favorite matches because of the athleticism. And then we're gonna talk about Julio Fantastico. Who um I don't know whatever happened to that kid. I guess we can look him up here. But Probably let's continue. Did a couple of ECW uh you know kind of like appearances. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong there because I remember seeing there were a couple of Spanish influxes in the late '90s after like the Ray Mysterios and the Psychosis moved to WCW. Then these were the C and D uh, ECW uh, Mexican luchadors after like uh, Pedro. Say I forgot his name. Oh Pablo Marquez, Puerto Rican. Right. You know. So. Well, let me just go into the into the one into another match. Well, let me ask you. Let me let me answer your question. You okay. asked me if I felt sorry for anybody. Okay. The only two guys <clears throat> that I really felt sorry for, excuse me for coughing, was fucking um. Well, three guys it was Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm-hmm. Actually, four guys. I felt sorry for four guys. Like legit. Like I felt sad. Jake the Snake Roberts, Yokozuna, the Iron Sheik, and Nikolai Volkov. Those are four people that I felt sorry for, and we'll get into that later. All right. So let me give you, in my humble opinion, one of the matches that was good, you know, because of the athleticism. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not going to say it was great storytelling, Ray. I'm not saying it was great psychology, but it was just great athleticism. You okay. talked about it. The Samoan SWAT team, Samu and the Samoan Savage against, I'm going to call them the Rocktastics of right. Marty Chidetti and Tommy Rogers. And the reason why it was good athletically was because Marty Chidetti carried the whole fucking match i don't know if he had heat with tommy rogers maybe he did not like the fantastics maybe you know there was some rift between each other like the rockers you are a fake ass rockers you know tommy rogers and bobby fullman cannot hold a candle to Shawn michaels and marty Jeanette. you know you could hear you could feel the tension between the rocktastics that's the way i looked at it from, from my eyes what say you ray about the rocktastics against the sst 
I thought this was a good match. Um, there was a point in the match, right? So the match kicked off, or somewhere in the middle of the match, where um, Marty Jannetty is firing up, right? Because he's getting attacked by both Samoa and SWAT team. Mm-hmm. Now, this was the moment for for um, his who was his tag team partner again? Uh, Tommy Rogers. Tommy Rogers. Tommy Rogers was supposed to come in and help him clean house, but Marty Jannetty didn't let him. He t- he stole. He took all the heat. Yeah. Off of fucking so yeah, I could see what you were saying there. Like you could see there was some type of there was no chemistry between the two guys. But um, like for an opening match, all four guys looked to be in great wrestling shape. The Samoans looked, you know, they were big, they're big Samoan guys. So of course they're gonna look the way they did. They looked fucking good, they were moving around well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't help, and I know Tommy, if Tommy was here, he would say the same shit. If you are a legend in the business and you work one of these indie events, motherfucker, bring a pair of tights with you. Like legit. He he was wearing it looked like you know those workman jeans that that you just wear to work every day and you wash them so much they start turning gray. Yeah. It was like that, a pair of black jeans. And, and he, he cut them, I think. I think he cut them. He cut them in the, the fucking shorts, shorts dude. <laughs> and what kind of I, I was like come on, like no tassels on his arms, nothing. He no was ever. the rocker. No, he was the rocker. Marty Jannetty came in mm-hmm. like a bump. His boy, um, his tag team partner looked phenomenal. He looked great, great shape. He oh, almost yeah. he, he did a he did a couple of ECW shows in '98 too. So you know, Tommy Rogers wasn't no slouch. Huh. And the reason I said there was tension with the Rock Tastics is you could see it. Marty Jannetty controlled the whole match. You know, Tommy Rogers was probably visibly upset, but the checks cleared. You could tell, like, I, I don't have to put no effort into this. So before we even talk about more of the card, let's just say, you know, the, the logistics, right? Because Bill Stone is the guy who put it all together, funded this, put it, you know, had the casino, you know, rent, you know, he rented out the casino. But what do you say with the whole, you know, the whole card here? Shouldn't have Bill Stone said to maybe like Dutch Mantel, why don't you tell these guys what to do? Be like the booker of the night. So this way, you know, I mean, we can have a good flow, a good fluidity, as Walt Clyde Frazier would say from the New York Knicks. I'll tell you what. Let's talk about first and foremost, the attendance. OK, so I can only imagine how many how much each wrestler was getting paid for this for this fucking show. Mm-hmm. Um, so the buy rate on this, I have all the information. I don't know if you have it in front of you, but. The buy rate was 29,000 people bought this thing. At probably 30 bucks a pop, give or take. Maybe. I don't know what the what the price is, maybe 1999. Who knows? It was 19 it was the year 1999. So mm. um and then it was an attendance of 2300 people. Now the question is of the 2300 did they pay for this or was right. this part of their, you know, complimentary drinks? So you can, you know, gamble your ass off at the casino but then come in and enjoy a match. While you're having free liquor, I'm just saying. All I'm gonna say is that the casino that that venue was really dimly lit, so you know that they fucking moved everybody to the L. The L, is, which is where the hard cam, uh, they call it the L, and because in the arenas where the hard cam kind of shoots, you know, so you could get the reaction from all the fucking crowd and shit. A lot of kids in the audience, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this show was totally kid friendly. Let's just say that we'll talk about Jake the Snake Roberts later. I don't think it was Kim friendly either. But, you know, again, Bill Stone wanted to capture that, you know, let's just say Americana, because, again, with the 80s wrestlers, the 80s nostalgic stuff, I think Bill Stone watched a lot of WWF. I don't think he watched a lot of NWA, because if he did, 
he probably would have not. He would try to book more former WWF stars, former cartoon characters to go with his vision of the nostalgia. That's just me. I'll just go with that. So one of the matches, the, the next match after that, Ray, had a storyline. It wasn't that good in terms of in-ring ability. But we talk about Greg the Hammer Valentine against George the Animal Steel, who was accompanied for some strange reason by oh, sensational shit. queen Sherry. And, you know, the camera was back there. You know, when they were when George the Animal Steel and Sherry Martell was ch checking in, they were lovey-dovey. They were kissing. They were flirting with each other. But then the match, like you said, Ray, lasted under seven minutes. And Sherry Martell, I guess, you know, Greg the Hammond Valentine must have won at the craps table. Must have won at Blackjack because well, he had do, more money. They do so, call him the hammer. So it could have been something else. That Well, he had his hammer was still working in the 90s, uh, Reflection Nights. No don't doubt know about Don't know if George the Animal Steel's hammer is still working. Just saying. Well, think about this, Ray. I mean, would you want to get licked with a green tongue or would you want to get hit with the hammer? That's I'm just saying. Well, they, The they, choice they, is obvious. You go with the lot, hammer. A lot of women will take great fellatio over a big hammer but if it's Just, a green tongue ray well maybe maybe i don't know maybe it has like fucking maybe it's ribbed for her pleasure oh you know if you, you don't know if, where that tongue has been it could be infected with covid <laughs> in 1999 and it wasn't even called covid that's what i'm just saying AIDS. But it's always aids there, there you go ray that's what it was it was infected with aids but what? the turn happened sherry martell went to the side of greg the hammer valentine and of course helped Greg Valentine defeat George the Animal Steel. And of course, George the Animal Steel, like you said, Ray, he didn't change his gimmick from the 80s. He, you know, he bit the ring corner, he bit bit the turnbuckle, and actually he actually caused a delay because of what he did. Because this right. was the second match on the card. So let's say you, Ray, because like you said, this was a dimly lidded casino. And of course the production had to pivot a lot of times here. And, you know, you could say that the, the microphones weren't working, but let's just say, let's just stick with the match because George mm -hmm. the Animal Steel caused the delay that probably the production people and Bill Stone was like, oh, God, I forgot he does this shit. What say you, Ray? First, I got to put over that the smallest SWAT team went over in that mm -hmm. match. Second, uh, moving forward. Number one, I got to mention, bro, the camera work was the shit in this fucking, like, they were missing, like, pivotable moves like he's like like there were wrestlers that were going for like their finishers and you would catch it like as as they dropped the finisher or, or like whatever it was just terrible they were cutting away to the audience for some reason at times that i didn't understand but what was your question again <laughs> it just pissed me off man this shit fucking really annoyed me how you actually answered some of my questions i said the oh. production was very oh. bad and then george the animal steal himself well, caused production to pivot because this was a delay because I don't know if they were they forgot what George Daniel still does for a living. Well, so we get the storyline, like you said, of Sherry Martel, right? And now you were talking about production. But production was the shits. That's I'll leave it at that. All right. It was just terrible. Really poor. You, you can remind the reflection eyes as many times as you want how bad the production was. Very bad. The lighting in that fucking arena looked looked like the shits. It was it, this was a glorified indie event, which it was. That's what it was. But um and I'll I'll retract and go back to what I said before. I can only imagine how much money they had lost on this thing. But neither here nor there. So we get Sherry. She comes in. You know, she leaves fucking George Steele for 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 Greg the Big Cock Valentine. And um, during this match, you could tell that the like Dirty Dutch Mantel. I don't know if you pin, pinpointed this. Was trying to work around the the fact that they were they were going over on time or whatever and. 
But it was weird because, and hear me out, the booker who's supposed to run the show, they had a lot of time between matches, but then they rushed through some shit. So it was just what it seemed to me, and I don't know if it seemed this way to you, and I don't know if when Tommy listens back and you know the Magnificent Seven listens back, they, if they actually will agree with this, that the wrestlers ran the show. They, the, the inmates ran the asylum. They made all the calls. They did all the, they, they booked all the finishes. Um, I'm sure they negotiated between themselves how long the matches are going to be, so on and so forth. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The booker, the pencil, the, the person at Gorilla is the person that makes the call. And um, this was that's a poorly, why I, That's why you and I probably agreed. Dirty Dutch yeah. Mantel should have been the bookers. Just say, yeah, absolutely. Keep it simple. We have, you know, with Greg Valentine and George Steele. I'm sure that Mantel could have booked it better to have a sure. better outcome or something like that. That's the way I look at it. I did like the finish, though, Professor. Like, like the story, even though the story didn't make sense to anyone that knows professional wrestling, like why the hell would Sherry be with, with George the Animal Steel? You don't know. Listen, man. Sherry Martell hadn't worked in a long time. Well, I have no problem that the story was that she liked him and they were lovey-dovey. Sure. You had to have some kind of thing to draw the fans. That was it, good. So it was a good yeah. 80s swerve that she did betray Animal Steel. Well, what I'm saying is that, you know, Sherry Martell hadn't worked in a long time. And, you mm -hmm. know, she's probably cold and hungry. And, you know, you know, you know, hey, listen, people don't know this. George Steele was also a professor. So he had a nice, I'm sure he had a nice pension. You know, along with with the money he made in WWE, so he had a nice. Did, did, did you notice? The, he was, did you notice how George the Animal Steel was like night and day when he was checking into the hotel? He was swab and debonair. That is true. Know, and he was like straight laced. Then once the bell rings, uh, yep, exactly. So, you know, but he did have the green tongue. He was consistent with the green tongue. He did kept the, the kayfabe a lot. That's all I will say. So he, he did. I, I thought. Listen, man. For what it was, I thought this was. But again, you're looking at two pros, two people that have done this for for many many years. They probably they probably worked how many matches and how many towns together and how many different organizations together, um, all three. And Sensational Sherry is just the best, you know. Mm. Um, period. Like she's one of my favorite female managers and wrestlers of all time. So, I, you know what, man? This this match, like I said, went like I think it was six minutes and something seconds. I thought it was just fine. Well, again, the storyboard was there. Like you said, they, they worked with each other to make sure that this worked for as best as it could. So mm -hmm. we'll just leave it like that. So the second match on the professor's scale of great athleticism is mm -hmm. what we'll talk about because Two Cold Scorpio was still doing his thing in 1999, no matter what. If it was WCW, if it was ECW, if it was WWE, glad he wasn't Flash Funk here because, you know, Bill Stone would have pissed me off if he was Flash Funk. But it was funny that Two Cold Scorpio was bringing a generic $399 replica NWA World Heavyweight title into the ring, and he was fighting Julio Fantastico. Again, this match was great for the purpose of two guys in their prime. Mm -hmm. Julio Fantastico was, I think, an, a substitute because they wanted somebody else, but they got oh. signed to a WWE de developmental deal. So Julio Fantastico was a last-minute substitution. So I'm just giving you the logistics here, right? But they did the best. But there is, you know, a faux pas. There is something that I have to be critical of. And that was the end. And Tuco Scorpio missed his entire move. Oof, I yeah. thought he, I had to rewind it. You thought he hit the kid. You thought he hit the kid. Yeah. Shout out to Fantastico because he sold it like, you know, he got hit by John Cena. 
he, you can't see him. That that's the way it was. It was the John Cena move, but it, it was like did two cold Scorpio did not even hit him at all. He didn't. Let's say you Ray, because again, the athleticism was there by both of them. But again, there was no there was no psychology. They right. just went they went into business for each other. They got their moves out, you know, they get they got their moves of doom, if you want to say it. And of course, two cold Scorpio has seniority. He was like, right. I'm gonna win this kid. You, sure. you ain't winning. So what say you about this match? All right, so let's give a little background. So the kid, you may you may know him out there if you guys were fans of TNA and all the shit. He was Julio De Niro. That okay. does that name ring a bell? You remember yeah, that? That? Name, mm-hmm. that name rings a bell. Started in 1994, and he actually um, retired, uh, I think, around 2010, 2011. Mm. So he ran the Indies. He was all over the place. The guy, I'm looking at some of his stuff right now. The guy fucking won tons and tons of title wrestle for the NWA, Impact Wrestling, everything. So the kid had a pretty decent, you know, indie career. He's still alive, apparently. I don't know what the hell he's doing now. Yeah. But um, now you ask me about this match. And um, this was, hands down, uh, the best match of the night. Mm-hmm. Best match of the night. Um, the finish was weird. And here's, I have a problem with this with this show. And this is why I'm not happy with the way this show is booked. And see if you understand this. The fans went home with blue balls. And I'll explain to you what I mean. They went home with blue balls because they were a number of times that they were waiting for a payoff. What am I talking about? When you go to an independent wrestling event and let's say you have, let's just throw a name, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, right, Professor? Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a question. If you are going to an independent wrestling event and Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf is there, what do you want to see to go home happy? I want to see him execute the pile driver and right. I will go home happy. Right. You have the fans doing the whirly twirly gimmick saying, Hey, do the, the 450, do the 450. He's looking like he's going to do the 450. No, you're left with blue balls. He did a fucking flippity flop off the second rope, something fucking safe that he totally missed by a mile mm-hmm. and went home on that. And you could tell the fans were like, Oh, God damn it. We want a 450 and they're doing this with their fucking fingers. You can't see this on the on the fucking podcast, but I'm going they're doing I was like, what the f-? and this happened a couple of times during this. We'll talk about that later. He, he is what you know what girls are today, cock teases. So he was doing the cock tease yeah. with the whirling whirling derbies. So you know I actually well, you know, it could be debatable. I mean, he did twirl. When yeah. He did the finishing maneuver. It wasn't the 450. You're right. It wasn't the 450 splash that he was famous for, but it was a flip <laughs> to a degree. I have to give him that. Bro, of course, Two Cold Scorpio is my favorite untapped potential pre- professional wrestler of all time. So I have to give. Maybe I'm a little biased here, so I'm protecting him. We did see a Greg Valentine figure four attempt. No, we just didn't. putting that out there. I'm okay. just throwing that out there. There, so. there, there, there was blue bowls in, in a lot of matches. So you are right in that instance. So we have to. At least, I have to at least acknowledge a match reflection ice because Big Ray said he felt sorry for Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Yeah. But maybe you had to feel a little bit, and I'm not going to say totally sorry, but you had to feel a little bit sorry for the Bushwhackers or for logistic purposes. Formerly known as the oh, Bushwhackers, geez. because Bill Stone was going to get sued by Vince McMahon. What did they, they call them? The the they were formerly known. They had no. to kept saying the men from oh, down men, under. Yeah, the men from down under, the official name, but they were formerly known as the Bushwhackers because Bill Stone was afraid to get cease and desist letters from Vince McMahon and Titan Talent. But 
you had to feel sorry for all four competitors. You felt sorry for two of them because Iron Sheik was getting older. And, of course, he couldn't move as fast as, and as limber as he, as he was. No. Nikolai Volkov, again, this is why I keep saying about that, that statement, Ray. Do you feel sad for certain people because they have to, you know, get a paycheck? I'm not, I'm not mad at people getting a paycheck. I don't knock the hustle. But, you know, it, it's like, and I'll have to say this. It's like when I saw Ric Flair wrestle in the 2000s. I, don't, I want to remember the guys that I love in their prime when mm. I see them here. It's just a shell of themselves. And I'm just like, nah, this is not who you should be. So what say you about this? And the Bushwhackers, you know, the funny thing is, you know, we did a PWR episode where we, you know, highlighted some tag teams. Bushwhackers, again, the Sheep Herders and the Bushwhackers. You could have called, they could have, they could have did the Sheep Herder gimmick here. And it would have been no, there would have been no qualm from Vince McMahon to do anything. But they knew where their bread was buttered. They had to do the Bushwhacker gimmick. So let's say about this match here, Ray, because, again, this was not a Meltzer five-star classic. No, no, no. All you saw was you barely saw punches. They mm -hmm. barely got their legs above the ground. So let's no. say you about this match. All right. So first, before I get into the match, let's do a quick death count. Let's see. Oh, so no. both Samoan SWAT team members are alive, right? Uh, they should be. Yeah, no, I believe so. Like they should be, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they're both all right. So right now we have George Animal Steel dead. Mm -hmm. We have uh Nikolai Volkov dead. Mm -hmm. Am I missing anybody? So far too dead. Maybe one of the bushwhackers might have died, I think. Uh no, I think they're both alive and kicking. Okay, cool. They're both they're both doing all right. So so far we got two dead. All right, now mm -hmm. you asked me about this this fucking show, this match right here. All right, let me just let me just really just Give me a second, guys. <laughs> so when these two teams were doing their tag team gimmick, so when Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik were winning tag team champion, a tag team championship in the WWF, they were already getting to the point where they were getting past their prime. They were actually well past their prime. Both That's when they put them in the tag team, right? Mm -hmm. Fast forward 10, 15 years later, these guys are still in the ring. The Bushwhackers. When they came to the WWF, the reason why they became, uh, you know, fan friendly, you know, whatever gimmick, what not only because they were kind of too small. I'm, I'm sure Vince McMahon looked at them saying they're too small to be, you know, world beaters, even though they were one of the most feared tag teams of all time, mm -hmm. all over the world, in the Sheep Herders. But they came and they did the whole comedy thing. They had rest. They had been wrestling for freaking at least well over a decade, or maybe more, almost 15 years, when right. when they went to the WWF. Fast forward 15 years later. So we're seeing teams that we grew up watching that were already moving at half speed, moving at half of half speed in this match. Did, did was, you feel like, did you feel like that? Wait, is my slow motion button still on? Bro, I'm trying to fast forward and it still didn't work. I put over to you that me and my wife last night were up till fucking five in the morning playing we started at was it one o'clock in the morning so we were playing ninja turtles on xbox the the shredder's revenge we beat the game it went for like three and a half hours we were trying to beat this damn thing but anyway i was exhausted but i got up in the morning and i watched this fucking pay-per-view and goddamn was it hard to stay awake during this shit hey Poor if you have if you have insomnia reflection nights heroes of wrestling does help that's all i'm just saying it's better than so, nightfall so listen um I mean, you got hey, 
you get the, the men from down under. You get the men from down under, yeah. They go over, right? They go Crikey. over. Crikey. How the hell they win? How do they win that match? Do you remember? I, I think that the referee just said, God damn, this is bad. Because he oh. just he just covered he just counted the three so fast that you just wanted the, the match to end. I think he might have got something in his ear like end this or he got a signal. It just it felt like really weird because they were kicking, they were hardly, you know, their legs were hardly they were kicking shins. If you, I'm not even lying. They were kicking shins with each other, oh. and then you know the, the Iron Sheik could barely lift his leg. I was feeling sad for it, but it I, was I remember weird. they had bought that gimmick, that that weapon gimmick, into the ring, and they were beating mm-hmm. each other out with it. And I, Nikolai Volkov hit the Iron Sheik by mistake. Mm-hmm. Iron Sheik got knocked out, got pissed off, he got pinned, and that's how the Bushwhackers went over. Mm-hmm. And then after the match, they had the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. They had a. Did you see that manager they had? Who the fuck the, was the, that? He, the fake ass uh, Putin, bro. He looked like a, he looked. I thought he was a German. I thought he was a Nazi. I thought it was Randy Rosenblum working double duty. Bro, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, he looked like. I don't. He looked like a librarian, like a tall librarian with a with a Nazi gimmick on. It was crazy. He was supposed to be Russian. His Russian accent was the shit. By the yes, way, too. Sorry, I, sorry. I, uh, I, I think he was one of the uh, rejects from the Avengers movies. So you know. I'm I'm cursing too much. I'm sorry, Pastor Travis Foltz. Full time, Pastor Travis Foltz. That's good. I I think uh, well, as long as you say your Hail Marys and your uh, Our Fathers, Pastor Travis will bless you and forgive you, as you as it is said in the Bible. Okay. So let's go into the the next match that the professor loved, Mm. because there was already a backstory. There was was a there was a fire promo before the match. Yeah. But yet the ending Hmm. left you with blue balls. Mm-hmm. And the blue balls wasn't because of the the way it was, it was the production gave me blue balls. The 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 commentary team gave me blue balls because they did not expect it coming. And that was Tully Blanchard and Sweet Stanley Ray uh, again. Everything before this match was fire. The yeah. promo from Tully Blanchard Great. selling this match made it the best storytelling match of the night. You said that Scorpio and Fantastico best athletic uh, match of the night. This was the best story building match of the of the pay per view, and mm-hmm. Tully Blanchard sold it great. But then the ending sucked so bad. I, again, I'm not expecting him to go 30 minutes. I'm not expecting a Meltzer Classic again. Tully Blanchard's a little bit older. Sweet Stan Lane's a little bit older, and he's mending his injuries because again he retired earlier in the 90s because of his injuries. Tully Blanchard wasn't getting booked a lot, so again, you, you we expected that, but their psychology was on point. Oh, beautiful. But the production fucked up a nice finish. Again, with Tully, and again, if Tully Blanchard and Sweet Stanley agree to that, it's fine. But if you did not tell Dirty Dutch Mantel, and if you did not tell Randy Rosenblum, and if you did not tell the cameraman to make it work, mm-hmm. they had to, Dutch Mantel had to fix the fuck ups. Yeah, sell it. But this was the best match of the night to me, the best storytelling match, but the finish. Again, I blame everything else besides the two guys in the ring. What say you, Ray? First, I got to love the way Tully... No, I'm sorry. Sweet Stan Lane came to the ring, right? So, mm-hmm. excuse me, cough button. So, he comes to the ring wearing this really cool, shiny, you know, jacket, you know, with his hair all blonde. He's in good shape, putting over the fact that he's working with ESPN. He worked if, with the if, WWF. If you, if you blink your eyes, it, he looked like a, a like Shane Douglas. If you blink he, your eyes, just he, a little bit. Just a little bit. He came into the ring. He grabbed the microphone. He taught that stupid, you know, Hammenegger uh, ring announcer how to do his job properly. 
Mm-hmm. When he came down, you know, coming to the ring, you know, sweet Stanley, he did the fucking nice, you know, gimmick, like Bill, like um, Buffer, what's his name, Mike Buffer, mm-hmm. Bill Buffer, whatever the hell his name is. Let's get rid of the Rumble guy. And um, it was great. So you had this guy, who the story is, you had this this wrestler in Tully Blanchard, who was the cream of the crop, four horsemen. But let's be real, everybody at that time knew that he was kind of struggling a little bit whether it be his alcoholism or i think it was drugs or something like that he was wrestling it was alcohol and gambling i think alcohol and gambling he had he pretty much gone broken he had he was wrestling in these shitty indie events mm-hmm. and sweet Stanley, i ain't got to do that i'm working for espn baby <laughs> they both look great um in the ring this match went 704 so mm-hmm. it went over seven minutes um but i tell you what you're right man the finish was, it's like they're building. There's a lot of uh, fire and, and heat between these two wrestlers, and they, they, they're putting together a pretty decent match for guys their age. But um, a belly the back suplex, and they did the whole gimmick where Tully put up his shoulder before the three count, and nobody in the audience seemed to know what the fuck happened. It was like dead silence. <clears throat> And even after the announcement was made, it was kind of like people still seem confused, even though they they figured out that Tully Blanchard won. It was like a, a crescendo. You know what it was? I'll tell you what it was, Professor. I don't want. I don't hope we don't get thrown off the air. But you know how Tommy Wonder, he's usually at the glory hole. Mm-hmm. It's like before he finishes, he just gets up and walks away with that poor guy just standing with his you know gimmick. Yeah, he, he's waiting to. He, he's waiting to get his thirst, quench his thirst. But and he didn't, it's never know. gonna happen. Right. Never gonna happen. Um, and by the way, Tommy, when you're at, when you're, when you're, um, when you're on a cruise, it's not safe to drill holes in the wall of a cruise ship. So stop doing that. Well, it, it was a, it was an orgy booze cruise, so you know you had to you had to drill some holes. That poor son of a bitch. He got so twisted off of ginger beer and what what was it? Ginger beer and rum. I th- I forgot it was rum, tequila, God. or something like that. He, was, he was, but it was complimentary. So you know. God damn! It's, it was ginger beer mixed with, which is delicious. But man, after like that twelfth one that he took a picture of and put up on Facebook, I'm like, God damn, this guy's uh, liver must look like an onion. Anyway, go and ahead. You, can, you can un- you can understand why he was scratching a lot, and I was laughing at the last <laughs> the, the last few of your episode because he was just scratching his ass off. I'm like uh, because of the ginger beer, he forgot to get the the, the suntan lotion on uh, the proper areas. But neither here nor there. But again, the production. Fucked up this great match, this great Word. storytelling match. So I just, but, but, I forgot to mention mm. that during this uh, broadcast, <laughs> that Bill Stone put out a presser Ooh. during this pay per view. The, the 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 promoter of oh. Heroes Arrested, oh. Bill Stone put out a presser that only the people <laughs> who bought the pay per view knew that Heroes of Wrestling needed needed a commissioner, and oh. he appointed Captain Lou Albano. As the Heroes of Wrestling commissioner. Now, I forget which match he did commentary for. So it might have not been the Tully Blanchard. It might have been the one before. But neither here nor there, Ray. But Captain Lou Albano, he's a good sidekick. But he's not a great commentator either. And, you know, what say you about, you know, trying to, you know, again, this is another guy that you you grew up in the 80s. Well, grew up in the 70s, too, because he was one of the top heel managers of all time. And then, of course, his waning days, he did the thing with Cindy Lauper, Rocket Wrestling, and of course, his uh his fight for multiple sclerosis. He's very, you know, he was a champion for that. But of course, in the 90s, 
Captain Lou Albano was trying to stay in the wrestling business, in the wrestling business, some way, sure. shape, or form. He was in Herb Abrams's UWF, and he mm-hmm. was in this pay per view. You know what say you about Captain Lou Albano? Fucking Captain Lou, like he's over with me, no matter what he did. But what I what I had fun with, and what I thought was hilarious was, so you have what the hell is Gimmick Schnabitz, the the guy that the the guy doing the the fill in for. Uh, Gordon Soley, what was his name? Oh, uh, Randy yeah. Rosenblum. So Rosenblum, right? Rosenblum's sitting there, and it's kind of like when you got that that dork, you know, that that geek that nobody wants to sit with in the lunchroom. Mm-hmm. He's sitting at the table, and across from him is a cool kid, and then the cool kid's best friend comes in. So you got now two cool kids making fun of the dork at the table. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. They were basically like teaming up, making this guy sound like a total asshole. Um, I'm sorry, Travis. Sorry, Pastor Travis. A total no, butthole. No, asshole's okay. It's the other words. Oh, okay. Ass is in the Bible. I always forget that. Mm-hmm. As uh, I forgot who beat somebody up with a jaw, a jaw of an ass. Uh, anyway, um, that was hilarious to me, Prof. That was freaking hilarious. I loved. They were just beating him up. They were verbally making him look like a total jobber, which he was. Um, you can't have a wrestling event like this. And I'll go back and say it, dude. You could have called anybody. You could have called a former wrestler. You could have taken a wrestler off the fucking off this uh this roster or whatever. Put Stan Lane. Mm-hmm. The fuck. But anyway, um, it was fun. Uh, Captain Lou now doing what Captain Lou does. You know, oh Captain Lou, oh, he's going crazy and shit, and he's getting all emotional and crying because they named him the commissioner of this shit indie. <laughs> that, that's that. Believe it or not, I think had more than one show. No, the the plan was to do more than one show, but it depended on the buy rate. They missed the mark on the buy rate because he was he was expecting forty to fifty thousand, and as you eloquently said, it was twenty nine thousand. So he took a loss. So you could not do another quarterly Heroes of Wrestling uh, pay per view. Not quarterly, but I think I'm gonna look it up right now as we talk, Professor. Mm -hmm. But I think there is another Heroes of Wrestling. I'm gonna look it up right now as we talk. Well, we could go with, uh, well, I can abbreviate another match. It was a blood feud between Abdullah the Butcher and the one-man gang. And again, this is another mistake from Bill Stone. But I'm not going to put it all on Bill Stone. I could put it a little bit on one-man gang. But costumes are very expensive, Ray. He could have got over with the Akeem gimmick. He didn't have to call himself Akeem. But you could have bought some. You could have bought a dashiki. You could have bought something else. You could have mm-hmm. bought a Kango hat and kind of like you know, you know, relive, relive that moment of your kingdom, relive that moment of your childhood with the African dream, Akeem. But that match would have made no goddamn sense if it was Akeem, the African dream, against Abdullah the Butcher. It had to be one man gang against Abdullah the Butcher. Again, this is a no contest to me because you know. Once Abdullah the Butcher gets in the ring, Abdullah the Butcher is John Moxley Reflectionites of today. He wants to bleed. He he forces, but at least Abdullah the Butcher bleeds for real. He uses his own fork to make himself bleed. Doesn't really use a razor like John Moxley does. And this is not a this is not a uh, rib at John Moxley. I'm just giving you the logistics here. But Mr. Hepatitis C Ray <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher, you know, I don't know how many rushes he gave Hepatitis C to. But this was a bloody match. You know, I, I, I felt if he was a fan in the front row, knowing that these guys are coming and they're bleeding. And, of course, the, you know, you, like you said, AIDS is happening still. 
you know, there ain't no cure for AIDS, not even in 1999. No. So you, you see that that coming your way. So what say you, Ray, about the blood feud between Abdullah the Butcher and, and one man gang? Listen, this was a monster. It was a monster. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, which is fine. They're going to get bloody. You're going to have one of these matches. Listen, uh, one man gang dominated most of this fucking match. But here is the thing. Like I said, we're left with blue balls again. There's no winner. How the fuck is this thing a no disqualification? It was no disqualification match, right? No, this is a straight match. It was. And how the fuck stopped. were they beating the shit out of each other with knives and, and fucking gimmicks? Because the referee did not know what to do. You got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding. He just, he me. just watched it. What the fuck? By the way, who the fuck is Honest John Cheatham? That's the Abdul the Butcher's manager. Anyway, I'm sure he had a fine career. Um, oh my god, bro. It was a double count out. So I'm like, how the hell is it a double count out? In a no holds part. Phil Stone does not read the, the bylaws of professional wrestling, so he did not know what to do. So that that's the problem. That's that but did Abdullah the Butcher really give the fans blue balls? Because like you said with Paul Orndorff and the pile driver, I expect Abdullah the Butcher to bleed with a fork. Yeah, I got that. Too. So both the, the only blue ball was one man gang not giving me the splash, the 747 splash. So you're right on that in instance. I'm just but saying we didn't get a winner. Match. We didn't get a winner, bro. But goddamn. Like, I, I mean, I understand. It was, a, it was a clusterfuck between Godzilla and King Kong. That was that's That's as bad as it got. Bro, it was like if you do you remember that movie, the original King Kong versus Godzilla? Yes. Fun fact. In Japan, Godzilla actually wins the wins the fight and he comes out of the water, he goes away. In the American version, King Kong gets up and he swims away. Not that saying been, that. And you're talking to a Godzilla mark here. Mm -hmm. That has been debunked. There is no never way. There, there is no two versions of this. There's no Japan version and there's no American version. So King Kong always went over strong. Yes, he won. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't know that. I, I believed you. I, I, I believed you. I was I was a kid too, and I heard that rumor a long time ago. And with thank you to YouTube, thank you to Google, I actually looked because I was looking for that movie where Godzilla won in the Japanese right. version. Never existed. Never happened. Okay. Never happened. Well, it's this this will still work here. Right? Mm -hmm. Even though I'm fucking wrong and now I, my life has changed. Because I well, thought it was two versions. Godzilla gave you blue balls right there. He did, but could you imagine that movie ending, right? In a double mm -hmm. count out. They both go into the water and that's it. They both drown and that's it. Mm -hmm. Nothing. They just can't swim. They both go. That would, like, could you imagine that? That's what this shit was, Blue Balls. I came away with half a hand job, not very happy, um, made no sense. I thought, Professor, I literally, maybe because I was half asleep, I thought it was a fucking no holds barred. Uh, hardcore match because hardcore matches were a thing in yeah. 1999. But Bill Stone was not a wrestling aficionado yeah. like you and I and an Dutch Mantellis. He's just giving out the money and then, like you said, these wrestlers are booking it themselves. The inmates are running the asylum, so you got seven minutes of a clusterfuck and blood. So right. we'll just leave it there. Time out. Mm -hmm. Is Bill Stone alive? That I don't know. All right, but. Do we have uh let's do a dead count here now. One man gang still alive, right? Mm-hmm. Abdul the Butcher still alive. Barely. Barely. Tully Blanchard still alive? Yeah. 
Okay. Stanley was, was on AEW a while ago. Right. Stanley's Stan Lee still alive. Yeah, Lauren Broke Bro, Brobart's uh, favorite. Okay, I'm gonna find out if this fucking guy, whatever his name is, uh, Robert Stone. Robert Stone. No, Bill Stone. Why am I saying Robert Stone? That's the manager from NXT. NXT. If Bill Stone, we're gonna we're gonna skip one match reflection ice because it really has no bearings for us because we have to get to the main event. We have to get to why people remember heroes of wrestling because of the infamous promo from Jake the Snake Roberts and Ray. Oh. This is again, you can people. If you didn't like Jake the Snake Roberts, this was the funniest promo you could watch because Jake the Snake was intoxicated again. If a casino is going to give you complimentary drinks and Bill Stone says is probably giving you, you know, spending money, let's say a spending mm. allowance, you knew what Jake the Snake Roberts was going to do. He was going to get alcohol and drugs. Now, the thing I feel sad about is because in 1999, let's not forget, when did the Beyond the Mat come? Was it 99, 98? I think it was 99. 99 because the rock because they did the the mick foley thing and they used the the royal rumble that's why i'm saying that beyond the mat did come out in 1999 and of course in that movie reflection ice jake the snake roberts uh trials and tribulations were showing you know his relationship with his kids the he was already he has wrestled intoxicated once before in, in a in an indie show in high school so it wasn't you know it wasn't like this was the first time ever ray that he was wrestling intoxicated but this was a pay-per-view. This was something that Bill Stone was trying to sell to uh, distributors, Ray. And Jake the Snake Roberts is ruining ruining Bill Stone's business venture of trying to get a quarterly pay-per-view on pay-per-view every goddamn, every four months. So I'd say, Ray, about the, the drunken promo of Jake the Snake Roberts. He was already complaining about not being in the card game with uh, Jimmy Snuka and Captain Lua Battle. Made no sense in the world. He was part of the double main event that turned into a tag team main event because he was an unsafe <laughs> worker being intoxicated. Well, first, Bill Stone was Little Bundy. And we'll get into but that little, later. Little okay. little King Kong Bundy. That was Bill Stone. I was yeah, like, who the, fuck is that, who the fuck is that guy? That fat little fuck in the corner. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. So now, you're asking me about this promo with Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm going to say something that's going to shock you, Professor. Okay. Jake the Snake wasn't that bad in this match. Oh, okay. I'm about to say. The promo, you could tell. Uh, I, I forgot who the hell the, 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 the guy doing it backstage interviews. The, oh, the, Michael St. John from uh, USWA fame. All right. So mean Mike Gene. Let's call him that. It's a mean Gene Oakland. Mean Mike Gene. <laughs> Mike. The, your dollar store Gene Oakland He's there and you could tell He is just fucking disgusted With Jake the Snake Roberts mm -hmm. I could just I could just smell the The alcohol and the hooker spit Coming off of Jake the Snake Roberts mouth Into that microphone You have to replace the little you know, that, little, that little phone gimmick over the microphone mm -hmm. Disgusting He was What the hell was he talking about I have is no it, idea It's like do you remember that promo? He's like, I, the one that's kind of sus. When he's like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get as big as I can in your hands. I'll grow as big as I need to be to be inside of you. Where the hell he said he? But he wasn't inebriated. He wasn't inebriated. Cold and calculated. But this one, he was just talking about dumb shit that nobody knew what the hell he was talking about. And you could tell that poor guy, want, the interviewer, just wanted to just end it. 
Mean Mike Enos, whatever his name is. Did he give the signal to the cameraman to like pan away and like because well, Jake the Snake kept saying, "Come, I want the camera in my face." So here's the best part. So that's great, very very perceptive of you. So I'm sure that they wanted to end that segment right there, right then and there, with the camera on the snake. But Jake is like, "No, put the camera facing me, you fucker." <laughs> that's I've got something more to say. And he just kept, went on and said nothing for another mm-hmm. five minutes. So, goddamn, I said to myself, is this the event that they filmed for that for the uh, documentary? <clears throat> I, I think, did they film some of it there? No, they didn't film anything from Heroes of Wrestling. The, the intoxicated part of uh, Jake the Snake wasn't another high school. But, oh, again, man. he was, you know... The reputation of Jake the Snake was perceiving him that he was coming into these venues, these appearances, as you, if you will, reflectionites. He was coming inebriated already, so he was already a head case for promoters. He was already going to be, you know, confrontational to the wrestlers that he was going to work with. So the main, the co-main event was Jake the Snake Roberts against Jim DeAnvil Nyhart. So reflectionites, I'm going to try to give you an analogy if you've never seen this. The closest I can think of is uh, Jeff Hardy coming in inebriated in TNA Victory Road 2011 going up against Sting. Sting knew that Jeff Hardy was coming in inebriated. Sting knew that uh, Jeff Hardy was intoxicated, and Sting wanted to end the match right. very quickly. Right. Here's the problem with this match, Reflectionites. <laughs> Jim Neidhart felt the same way as Sting did. Oh, he didn't know what the Sting hell. Sting Roberts was a little bit quicker in his inebriated things. He moved around. Did not he did not stay in one place? No. Jim, Jim, the animal, Nyha was trying to do the you know the heelish things, the heelish mm-hmm. moves, the kicks, and J- Jake was no selling it. And then one part of the match reflection, I, Jake the Snake was doing bestiality to Damien. Oh. Yeah, he's, he was holding Damien up to his cock, making believe it was his his penis. Listen, um, I, I gotta cut you off real quick. Mm-hmm. Did we miss a match? No, I, I purposely wanted to okay. match. It was. Right. I just wanted to get to this because this is what okay. everybody remembers. The, We're still going to talk about that one, though, right? Real quick. We'll, we'll give it a little nice. Just touch on it we'll because these two last matches, and we're going to talk about the other one. Went the the match that we haven't talked about yet went twelve minutes basically. That's a long fucking way for that match to go. Mm-hmm. This match here went sixteen minutes and thirty four seconds. Ten minutes too long, in my opinion. Well, technically, I think the the Jake the Snake uh, Jim Nyhart match went six minutes, and mm. then there was a little bit of delay, and then they brought in King Kong Bundy and Yokozuna to mm. like make it a substitute tag team main event. And of course, Reflection Nights Yokozuna in nineteen ninety nine was almost seven hundred pounds. Yeah, he was he was battling his, you know, the, he wasn't a he wasn't an alcoholic. I felt he bad wasn't a drug addict, but he loved to eat. So he did not control his weight. King Kong Bundy knew how to control his weight, Ray. So, you know, if he learned from King, if if King Kong Bundy could have mentored Yokozuna, he could have controlled his weight to be that 515 pound monster, you know, sumo wrestler that he was in 1993. But six years later in 1999, he was a shell of himself. And of course, that's why it took 16 minutes because three minutes was Yokozuna coming down the aisle very slow. Do we do we count Jake the Snake Roberts walking to the ring, putting the snake down in the corner and just fucking disappearing in the back for no goddamn reason, and then coming back? They never said what he did. What did he, he do did that? 
I don't know why. I think he might have wanted to take a piss in the back. I don't that's, know. What, that's what I thought. They were like, um, the Dutch man, well, he's been using psycho psychology, psychological. That's why he disappeared. You could tell Neidhart, as coked up as he was during this <laughs> during this match, mm -hmm. bro, he was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? He's just like, yeah, baby. <laughs> that's all he was doing. Yeah. Just fingers up in the air. Yeah, baby. Bro, there was Jake the Snake Roberts, for those that didn't watch it, literally came down to the ring, stumbling. Mm-hmm. Put the snake down. Left the bag open, by the way. Goddamn Damien was. Well, was let's was, not forget that I think he uh, motorboated a, a woman in the front row. No, he took the woman's hands. Oh, okay. And put them on his on his breasticles. Oh, okay. Because let me just be very clear. Most of the wrestlers in this mat in this event had breast, and they weren't all female. They weren't female at all, mm -hmm. just one. But they all had breast. Everybody. Yokozuna had the biggest breast. Oh, they were they were they were nice breasts, but they were double D's. But yeah, a man very uncomfortable. You could tell that he took the snake out of the goddamn bag too. Number oh, that was another thing. He um Damien, I'm pretty sure was not supposed to come out that early. No, that's so, why your man Bill Stone came out during the match. And then pull, pull did an audible to make it a tag team main event. Right. And then thank God that the referee said, you know what, we got it. Jake the Snake is the most inebriated guy. He wouldn't even know that he gets beat. Right. He loses the match. Yokozuna doesn't care. He got a payday. So this was the longest match. You're right, Ray. It was 16 minutes too long. But if, Almost you condense, if you condense the match, it was probably two eight-minute matches. You got to Jake the Snake was in there 16 minutes too long, but he had two matches. Maybe, did he get two paychecks? I, I don't know. I know Jim DeAnvil Nyhart, like you said, he was coked up, but he was very, uh, you know, he was very on point. They're like, I yeah. work twice. Right. I he, want my money. And I'll tell you what, Jim Nyhart actually looked great, like in shape. He for for the shape, he looked in good shape. Jim Jim well, Nyhart. To, to be fair, Hill, to be fair, he wasn't. He was in WCW a year before. He was right. with British Bulldog, so you know he was on TV. <laughs> so it wasn't like you know. This wasn't a drop off to a lot of people. This was probably a big selling point to have Jim DeAnvil Mauer because he was from the WCW Monday Nitro, you know, family, if you will. So, you know, I, I got to throw something out there before you jump in. Throw it. Throw it out. Death count. OK, so right now this match put us over the top real quickly. Mm -hmm. If you think about it. So the first match. So the, so the first dead person that we have, uh, Tommy Rogers still alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. So George Steele dead. Sensational Sherry, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. uh, Julio Fantastico, his career is dead. That doesn't count. Um, Nikolai Volkov, dead. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let me see. Abdul the Butcher still alive, barely. One Man Gang still alive. Jimmy, all right, we're not going to talk about that yet. Jim Neidhart, we get three dead guys here. Jim Neidhart, King Kong Bundy, mm -hmm. and Yokozuna, the only one. Can you believe out of all three of these people, the only one that's alive and actually doing pretty goddamn well, God bless him, is Jake the Snake Roberts. The ultimate redemption story that Jake Roberts, you know, battled his demons and now, wow. and he got his wife, he, and he's dating his ex-wife again. So you No know, way. I didn't yeah. know that. Him and Cheryl have reunited, and you it wanna, feels so good. You want to hear something real quick? Sure. Um, I did an event in New Jersey with, with Aptor, and that was our first interview with Jake Roberts, and this was when he literally just started with DDP. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you something, man, uh, when I spoke to him and when I had a conversation, when I have a beautiful picture with the guy, big man, but he was 
you can tell when somebody's like bullshitting and working. Mm-hmm. He was just so appreciative of everybody. He talked to everybody, signed any fucking autograph. He was taking pictures with everybody, not charging a fucking dime. I mean, he had his gimmick table where he mm-hmm. made the money, but he didn't get, he was so appreciative of what I believe was his fifth chance in life. And, um, he was just so kind and wonderful. And I had such a good experience meeting that Jake, the snake Roberts. That was wonderful, bro. So kudos to him. I'm happy to hear that, man. That, that makes me smile, bro. Yeah, it does. The, the, the ultimate redemption. And if you That's believe, great. if you have faith in God, just like Traf, Traf, Pastor Volts will tell you, if you believe, mm-hmm. you know, good thing. God is good, as Montez Ford would say. Sure. So, you know, yeah, three out of four died in the main, in the main event. And Jake the Snake <laughs> is still going strong and is an AEW. So, you know. That's another win for him. He's on TV. If he gets the chance, right? Tony Khan will uh, book him right. So, bro, Jake the Snake Roberts is still relevant in 2023 on TV. How great yes, is that? He is. Good it's for very him, good. Man. Very good for him. So, before we close, you wanted to go back on a match yeah. with Jimmy Snuka. You know the uh, you want to call him the the killer, the murderer, or whatever. Oh, I don't. He's also dead. Yeah, he is. Well, you know, he, he's in hell. So, you know, going up do, against. I have to do a final dead count. But go ahead. And I think Bob Orton Jr. did pass away also. So this was a, you know. Uh-huh. And this match culminated from a card game. So because of Commissioner Captain Lou Albano making sure that Jimmy, Jimmy Superfly Snucker did not lose in the game of craps or uh, poker, whatever the case may be, Captain Lou Albano caught Bob Orton cheating. And from there, we got an 11-minute clusterfuck. But... Actually, 11 minutes and 46 seconds. Oh, I forgot the exact count, but thank you very much, Ray. But what? Jimmy Snuka, you know, the older he got, <clears> you know, <throat> he, can't, he, can't, he can hardly fly. He no. tries to fly, but he hardly, you know, he has that one good jump in him, and he, he saves it. <laughs> yeah, he, but he saves it for that one big moment. He did it, yeah. he did it on Nitro in 99. He, do, he did it on WWE TV like a raw, like celebratory raw. He has that one good jump in him, but heroes of wrestling? No, 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 no. He did not have that one good jump. What no. say you, Ray, about the match, and then we'll close it out. All right. Bob Orton looked fantastic. I mean, even to this day. Oh, he's dead now. Um, mm-hmm. So, by the way, the, the final count is eight. Eight. There are eight matches, and we have eight wrestlers dead. God bless them all. Yes. Oh, nine. Captain Lou Albano. Didn't count him. Mm-hmm. Nine. May they all rest in peace. Thank you for the memories. Uh, but Cowboy Bob Orton looked great in this match. With all that being said, this was like just fucking like after Taco Bell shits. <laughs> like so bad. This match went fucking 12 minutes, bro. 12 minutes. This was 14 years in the making. Remember, everything bro. culminated from WrestleMania 1 and it had to end at Heroes of Wrestling. It was 14 years. Professor Abdul mm-hmm. the Butcher and One Man Gang had a non-hardcore hardcore match that went into the stands, and that shit was seven minutes and thirty-four seconds long. This regular match between these two guys, well into their freaking like I think they were just sixties at this point or fifties. Man, twelve minutes. All I can say is whoever paid for this shit and didn't have the little illegal black box that we had in my uncle's house. Mm-hmm. God bless you all. You're dumb. <laughs> That's all I have to say about this match. 
I knew that when this pay-per-view came out, I was like, no, I'm saving my I had a choice between that and ECW, and you knew where my money went. Oh, I paid for, I paid <laughs> for ECW. That's that's all I will have to say. So, Ray, you yeah. took this. And I will say this. In closing, ah. on paper, mm-hmm. remembering, you know, having your childhood memories celebrating, it's a it's like an it's an A minus. Right. The presentation and the results. I'm going to be fair mm-hmm. to a degree. Mm-hmm. D plus. What say you? That's fucking fair. So I'm going to give it an A for nostalgia. Because mm-hmm. if I was there, I would have popped like crazy. Mm-hmm. I love the Samoan SWAT team. I loved Marty Jannetty, Tommy Rogers, Greg Valentine, George Steele. These are all people that we could sit up close and watch, you know, and we probably hadn't seen them in years. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give it an A for that. And I will agree. I think the production was probably like a D. So if you kind of do the math, this is probably like a C minus, maybe like a C show. Round it out, yeah. That's a good average right there. But I'll tell you what. For all these guys, a lot of these guys not wrestling for years, um, being thrown in, you have this guy, uh, whatever his name was, I totally forgot his fucking name already, um, the, the announcer, um, the play-by-play guy. Oh, Rose- Randy Rosenblum. Ra- Randy Rosenblum. Good old rambling Randy Rosenblum. Rosenblum. <laughs> I mean, and he tried. You could tell he was getting upset, you know, towards the middle of the show, trying mm-hmm. to do his best, trying to throw out the fact that Captain Albano was in the business for this many years. And I don't know if he had that shit written down somewhere. Or he was trying to sh- prove he was trying to prove to Dutch Mantel that he knew something about wrestling cough button. Well, he didn't but, have Google, but he had Yahoo. So, you know, he, he had to look it up. Did his best. Um, I think for what it was. If you really think about it, if I was going to an indie event, I would love an indie event like this. But for a pay-per-view, no. Ain't nobody going to pay for this shit, bro. Nobody. I I think, Ray, and you can actually expound on this because, you know, with the one wrestling years and you and Bill after, the maturation of, let's say, the indie circuit. Because, again, in the 90s, the indie circuit was not that attractive. But as the 2000s waned in and then you had the, the, the PWGs growing and you had the Combat Zone Wrestling growing and then you in the 2010s with One Wrestling, you did a couple of indies here and there. The maturation of the indie circuit was a little bit better than the presentation of the indie circuit in the 90s. Would you agree with that or do you have a different take on that? Oh, no, I agree with you. And that's why I said that this event, um, I think, and you can look, they, they must have lost. I can't see how much they lost. And honestly, I'm, I tried to do some research here as we were talking about Bill Stone. He doesn't come up anywhere. I mean, and you can't find that second Heroes of Wrestling. No, I can't. I don't think it existed, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if it did, if you guys out there know. Hit That's the Japanese there. version. Heroes of Wrestling in Japan. Bill Stone did it where he uh, actually got a good show out of it. I mean, <laughs> if, if, you go to, if you go to uh, if you go to IMDb, he's actually listed just once as Little Bundy. On IMDb, that's all you get. But anyway, um, what was your question? Oh, so yeah, I mean, as a pay-per-view, I'm not going to spend money on this shit. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was a nice trip down nostalgia lane. You know, um, I-, I would love to go to like, wouldn't you? Like, let's let's be real, prof. Like, if we had a, if if we sat down right now, right? Because if you think about it, guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, uh, let's say the rock, all those guys, 
let's say in the next 10 years they're older right but they do a show like this those guys that we edge christian old, they get together and they do a mega a mega old man show mm-hmm. where they all move in half speed which is not going to happen because of rock you know and stone and stuff but i would watch i would go yeah, i'd be interested you know i mean again we we saw it last year with stone cold at, at wrestlemania right he, he could still you know move the, in the ring Rock yeah. can still do what he can do. And like you said, with the Hardys, Matt Hardy is still doing it on a weekly basis on Dynamite. So we are living that kind of nostalgic moment in like, in, you know, in sprinkles, if you will, reflectionize. Christian did it on a pay-per-view. Edge is going to do it at this year's WrestleMania. So, you know, we are living our childhood or we are living our teenage, you know, hormone years with uh with, with some of these attitude wrestlers and with that being said reflection nights we close on this episodic episode this is a late birthday present for our executive producer extraordinaire who turned 29 Ooh, a couple yeah. of days ago so you know i'm being nice he, he ain't 29 but th- that beard is is not 29 that beard is like 53 but neither here nor there so big ray the executive producer extraordinaire give out those so- yeah you're giving me the <laughs> i'm just giving you i'm just giving out the i'm just giving it a bucket but anyway, Big Ray, give out those socials and give out those show informations where people can find you. All right. So I'm going to try to do my best, Tommy. One, I'll put over my shit first. You can find me everywhere on all social media. And no, not on fucking. What is that grinder and that dumb shit that Tommy Wonder always puts over? He found you on Grinder. What do you He what? did not find me. He found his twin brother on Grinder. Now they're dating. He's dating his brother. Anyway, you can find me everywhere at Big Ray Hernandez. You can find me on Wednesdays. Uh, at 11 a.m. on ha- if you search Hami Media, you know Hami Media Group on on YouTube, we're live. Me and the vet Jamie Williams doing the next level wrestling review. If you don't want to watch NXT, we will do it for you, and we'll talk about it. So that's a public service. Also, on that same Wednesday, I do the A Show with April Hunter at 4:30 p.m. You can just search. Wow. Oh God, so she's so beautiful. So I just wanted to say that the A Show with April Hunter and big shout out to Colin. Colin Wysong, who filled in for me uh, when I was sick on my birthday. Yes, I got sick on my fucking birthday, and I'm finally recovering. <clears throat> this show was not easy to do, by the way. My voice is not all there, but um, I really did enjoy it. Um, I will reiterate the fact that I absolutely fucking love you and Tommy Wonder every single week. I love editing the show and listening back. I listen to every show. Tommy always fucking questions me. Like, this, that's if Big Ray listens. No, I listen every freaking weekend i usually save it for sunday nights because that's my busiest night at work when i'm closing down shop and moving things around the building and i'm doing a lot of shit and i'm like i have to i need like an hour and a half or an hour of listening to you guys and that's the podcast that's the time because that's my most strenuous time at work that's when i do that's when i listen to it and i love it i love it i love it thank you so much um so check out our stuff man guys uh this is in my opinion, the best old school wrestling podcast you will find, period. Better than anything. I'm telling you right now. Best, the best. If you guys are listening for the first time, because I put it over, listen to this show. Watch this show. It's everywhere. Um, you can find it on the Big Vito brand. Um, it's actually at, at Twitch um, or at TV. What is it? Twitch.tv backslash the Big Vito brand. We're also at YouTube.com backslash, uh, what is it? The PW Hustle. PW Hustle Networks. Networks. And uh, that's, I think that's about everything, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. The the PWC. Yes, Jimmy T. Yeah. PWC, mate. Jimmy T in the PWC, mate. Yeah. 
His favorite tag team was on the Heroes of Wrestling, the men down under. So, you know, yeah. even though he likes going down under himself. but He goes down under men. He goes down yes. under men many times. Yes. yes, he does. And you can find me on my Twitter at PWSPROF. That's PWSPROF. And, of course, shout-outs to my PWSPROF. Billy Ray Valentine, Mr. Infinite Fringe himself at Obi-Wan, you know me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, TRAC Brown. So what are we going to do next week, Reflection Nights? Since we are in WrestleMania season, mm. I'm going to have to do another one that Ray already, he, you already had it in your credits. I did. We're going to do a what if. What, what if? if WrestleMania failed? Oh, shit. You already had it in the intros. So it is apropos that we do a what if WrestleMania failed. And if Big Ray wants to do a running, a surprise running, I am always, the door is open to do a what if ray for you but of course tw should be back from his excursions from watching taylor swift tiffany debbie gibson britney spears miley cyrus Haley cyrus and all the other other kardashians i don't care whatever whatever con- all the cyruses so yes all those cyruses so with that being said i'm the professor that's the executive producer extraordinaire big ray hernandez saying good night and we'll see you next time here at pws PWSO. PWR podcast at Hummy Media Group at Podbeam.com. Peace. Hey, Sergeant Slaughter, follow me on Twitter. How cool is that? <laughs> I beat y'all. He already followed me a, a year and change ago. <laughs> <laughs>